0: Welcome back to the golf marketing podcast. My name is Rodney and alongside me today is Duncan and Brian. How's it going?
1: Fantastic. Pretty good. Thanks.
0: That's good. On the podcast today, we're discussing off-season strategies for golf courses. And um, I'll start with you, Brian. Mm -hmm. Um, What are some of those strategies that a golf course can consider taking up?
2: I I think the off-season is an interesting time, especially here in Canada, because the off-season really means off-season, except maybe in Vancouver, Lower Mainland. Yeah, yeah, it's really, it's really time to do other things. So, um, outside of the regular, outside outside of vacations and going to the buying shows, um, there are a number of things that you want to do, and we want to kind of run through and touch on on a few different ones. One of the big ones for me is um, reviewing data, and specifically web data. So. I would assume most golf courses have a website of some sort, perhaps they've got some social media, whatever the case may be. Um, spending a little bit of time and looking at that data will give you all sorts of pretty cool insights. So I'll give you an example. You can look at the, the analytics from your website, perhaps it's Google Analytics, perhaps it's something else. A really simple one would be look at the most visited pages on your website and that's going to show you where people are coming, You know, where on your website are they visiting most frequently. And a good place to start is if I go and look at maybe a lot of people are checking out my pricing page and my uh, about the course page, let's go visit those pages, pretending I'm a customer, look at those pages and go, okay, am I hitting all the points here? Are there certain things I'm missing? Oh, look, this data hasn't been updated since 2014, that kind of thing. If those are the pages they're coming to most frequently, let's go in and tweak those ones because essentially those kind of become the front door of your the online front door of your business and if they don't look really good what's gonna compel people to keep going through your website or even come to your golf course so um, that's one of the many kind of simple ones but Google Analytics for example it's a free program you can put on your website Um, you can spend hours on there you can look at where did they come from so where were they coming from organic search like what did they type into search boxes to get there did they come from referring websites and this is something that Duncan and I have experience on more on on the golf blogging side of things. You could look at who's sending you a lot of traffic. Well, do I know who operates that website or is it the city website, or the municipality website? And how accurate is that content? That's it. So it's kind of like follow it backwards. So if a whole bunch of people are coming from the county website, go backwards and go to the county website where you're located and make sure all the information there is bang on because that's a great source of traffic but if people see something on the county site come to your site thinking they're going to get something and that county site is wrong and they've kind of been misinformed, they're going to leave because they're going to be like, this isn't what I wanted on this golf course that said something else on the county website. So a few different things you can look at.
1: Yeah, just a couple more that the top of my head. I mean, looking at uh, the devices people are using, Big one, yep. um, if you all of a sudden see that people are using the mobile device a lot more than desktop, I mean, the simple question is, is your website mobile friendly? What mm-hmm. does it look like on a mobile device? Um, Even nowadays with websites that are uh, responsive, basically they they shift elements around to fit the window that the um, user is using. Um, Even on some responsive websites, content doesn't shift the way it's supposed to, images don't shrink. Um, Depending on how the site's coded, that can be a big thing for um, users and and user experience-wise. And to that end, uh, the other thing that I often look at is actually bounce rates. And what a bounce basically is, is someone lands on a specific page of your site, and then leaves without, from that page yeah. from that page without seeing any other content or any other pages on your website that is considered a bounce and it's usually a sign mm-hmm. that people are not interested in the content that that that's there so if you're starting to see, say from a mobile device, that your bounce rate is 20, 30% higher than it is on desktop, then it'd be like, oh hey, maybe that page doesn't look good on mobile. What can I do to fix that? Or it
2: doesn't even work on or mobile, doesn't which work. we see a lot too. Um, and just to your end, on, on, the, on the mobile side of things, in terms of a general benchmark, would it be safe to say that 60 ish percent of traffic to a golf course website comes from mobile. I think that would be BB.
1: I'd say right? it'd be a little bit above 50 nowadays. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, I would think so. So, you think if your website isn't mobile friendly and half of your visitors come to your website from a mobile phone, what do you do? Like, what are they thinking when they get there, right? Yeah, I mean, it's going
1: to be a poor experience, and already, I mean, that's a bad reflection on your company brand, which is not what you want.
2: Exactly. So, and you might not get a second chance to impress. Exactly. You probably won't get a second chance to. Yes they're gone so um, other things outside of the web data um, is kind of the on the financial side of things and and kind of looking at the health of your business overall I mean you the good time in the off season where you can gear down a little bit and actually look back and go what was last year really like did I actually make money and, and what kind of things you know can I improve on well to that end, I think I mean when
1: you're looking at financial performance, it's it's best to not just look at the last year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good to look at the one year to the next year or even three years in the past. And if you can have, you know, take your take your balance sheet or not your balance sheet, sorry, your your income statement. So you have a sense of where your money's coming from and from what from what breakdowns. I mean you have memberships, you have green fees, you got food and beverage lessons, whatever, pro shop sales. Mm-hmm. Um, If you can actually look at that as a whole and say, okay, where did I see drops? Where did I see increases? And then you ask ask the questions why? Um, Because you may find that, hey, I made $10,000 more this year than last year, but you may find that it's because food and beverages here rocked where everything else went down. Your green fees went down, your tournament revenue went down, your membership revenue went down. So even though you see a slight increase, you actually are seeing decreases in, in some of the main revenue sources. So why did that happen and how do you fix it? And once you have kind of, you know, once you, once you start seeing good trends where almost everything's increasing, that's when you can start, you know, kind of taking a back seat into looking how to change things.
2: And I know too, you know, as a business owner, one thing to kind of think about too is you'll look at things that maybe earned you money or cost you money. And sometimes you have to make really hard decisions that, you know what, although this particular aspect of our business has been around for a long time, it's just not making us money. It's costing us money. Yeah. And if, if if you have to cut something that maybe you don't want to cut, so be it. I think possibly, depending on the situation at a golf course, one area that people could look at cutting, and I, I know working at golf courses, we did this in some cases, is what we carry in the pro shop. And I know it's fun to sell golf clubs, and we've both sold golf clubs for a very long time. But if you look at how much inventory you're bringing into your pro shop every year. And you're not turning it around and you're not selling it because fortunately or unfortunately for the consumer they can go to an off course shop where the prices are cheaper the service is perhaps deemed as good i don't know if it is and that's another discussion but um, if they're going somewhere else for their equipment and you're sitting here with a shop full of equipment maybe at some point you think you know what i'm gonna get out of the hard goods game and i'm just gonna sell my soft goods i'm gonna sell my towels and my shirts and my hats and everything like that Mm -hmm. and for a lot of golf courses, they would be like, you know what, that's a tough pill to swallow because I'm a golf pro and I want to sell this stuff. But if it's not making you any money, at some point you gotta you gotta cut and move. You on. have
0: to get rid of that attachment sort of and uh, yeah. look at it based on less of. Um, we've always done it, so we've yeah. always sold golf clubs, so we're always going to sell golf clubs, but. Are they doing what we need them to do?
2: And maybe it's looking at more of a hybrid approach where we don't stock a lot of stuff, but I can still have a fitting card outside. So if somebody you wants a set, yeah. I can order it. And with shipping these days, you can have a set pretty quick to you know like come back in a few days, and your custom set will be here from whatever company. So um, we've talked about another podcast too. The companies that are willing to innovate and and realize what the market wants and give the market what they want and change over time, they're the ones that do that do really well. Because pretty
1: much every golf course has that seller of the golf clubs that never sold, <laughs> and that's not making anyone any money.
2: We could do an entire podcast on sets that I had in pro shops for years and years. It'd actually be a really good <laughs> yeah, podcast.
1: One other thing I just want to mention about financial statements to keep in mind is that um, they tend to be dynamic. Um, One thing will affect another. So if you for some reason had a really big tournament season and that was your lead driver of revenue, that may mean that your green fee revenue went down or your membership revenue went down. Um, If you look at it, uh, if you look at a holistic picture of it versus just um, a very granular, you can kind of see how things ebb and flow. Uh, Expenses is another example Um, with advertising expenses. If you're spending more on membership advertising, and then you see a boost in advertising, um, sorry, in membership sales, I mean those two are correlated. Mm -hmm. So it's thinking in mind. Don't don't just look at advertising expenses going up and being oh that's a bad thing. Look at it as, okay, well, I spent more in my membership advertising this year and we got more membership. So whatever I did worked, how can we build on that?
0: Okay, so basically when you look at the flip side of the coin, if your advertising um, is going up and your memberships are going down, yes. then obviously you want to so, look at it and say there's, something there's a, there's is not right. There's a big problem and, yeah.
1: and vice versa. I mean, there's, there's times where advertising goes down and memberships go up. So it's one of those things where if, if you... Um, you just need to kind of try and, and get more, as much information as you can to understand what's happening. Um, in situations where advertising costs are going down and membership sales are going up, it's probably clear that whatever the mem- membership um, advertising you're doing wasn't really very effective at, at getting the job done anyway. And maybe it's some other source like word of mouth, or maybe it's because mm-hmm. you changed um, the membership types that you had available and they are a lot more appealing to users. Um, there's usually a reason for for shifts in in money, revenue, and expenses. Um, and try your best to try to understand what makes things tick, what makes them go up and down.
2: And I will say this, and we'll continue talking a little bit more about data on the advertising side, we kind of touched on already, but regardless of when you talk about data, you can look at data all day and you can look at reports all day, but until you actually understand what the numbers are all about and then formulate a plan based on that data, it doesn't really matter how much data you look like. like. You can look at website data all day long, but if you're not willing to make changes on your website, congratulations on just looking at a bunch of data.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's really what this whole podcast is about. I mean, we're, we're trying to come up with off-season strategies for golf courses, mm-hmm. but um, each point we we're talking about so far is all about just getting as much data as possible so you can make effective decisions for the following season. Mm-hmm. Without that data, you're kind of flying blind. You're just assuming that whatever you did you did before is going to work again this year, and that's rarely the case.
0: Okay. What other things can a golf course do for all-season strategies? Well,
1: I kind of to touched on a bit with the membership advertising, um, but it, when it comes to um, advertising or even um, things like uh, offers, um, just getting a sense of of what resonated with. audience i mean if you had i mean i think lots of golf courses have things like the all the t off or i mean golf now is pretty big um getting bigger in canada pretty big in the us golf hub all those websites i mean what what delivered people to your door and if you have to pay subscription fees um to get involved in some of these things is it worth it for your golf course so i think if you if you just looked at um the advertising that you've done And did it have an effect? That's kind of a real big thing that um, I think golf courses overlook. They just tend to do the same thing over and over again. We want to see um, actual measurable performance on our ads and our coupons or offerings, and be able to track that back to increases in revenue and determine if there's an actual return on our investment there.
2: And sometimes when, when you talk about offers as well, offers don't necessarily mean I discounted my rate. Are there simple little things i can add into a package or add into an experience where i can keep my revenue or keep my my dollars nice and high but the perceived value that somebody sees when they come to my golf course is you know what i know it's not the the cheapest place in town but i get free range and i get a free lunch and whatever else as well In their heads, they go, you know what, I don't mind paying a little bit more because look at this laundry list of things I get. But on, on the golf course end, you actually look at the costs of each of those and go, you know what, those are small costs to form a larger package where I can charge a little bit more. So I think people get stuck when they think of offers. They think, oh, I just have to go and be cheaper or give two for ones. Just make sure the customer gets good value. And that's where in the off season, you can use the opportunity to look around a little bit and see what other offers are out there and actually go, you know what? That offer makes a whole lot of sense. I'm gonna give it a try at my golf course. And, and you know, think a little bit, think as a golfer, what kind of things are you looking for? And think as a consumer too. Uh, yeah, yeah, outside of outside of always lower cost. Yeah. Is there a way, you know, if I'm gonna be, the golfer's gonna be at your course for five or six hours, What kind of things do they need to make it a really great five or six hours? There's probably food and beverage involved. Golf is obviously a big thing. Comfort, whatever the case may be, what things can we lump into a package where we can keep our dollars nice and high but give the customer really good value. To add to that,
0: it's also about listening to people on like social media or wherever they um, post, right? People will go there and say, hey, I had a great time at this golf course, but I wish they had this. Yeah. you know and you listen to that stuff and you can make those changes in the off season ready for the next.
1: And I mean speaking of listening to people, that, that was kind of a, a big one for me the next point in of the off season. you, you have time and this is, this is the time where you should be um, building up surveys or, or ways to build get feedback from your members. Um, from your from your tournament, um, your tournament, uh, what are your leaders? What do you call them? The people that run the tournament, <laughs> tournament,
2: <laughs> tournament organizers. Tur- yeah. Thank you,
1: Tur- tournament <laughs> organizers. Or leaders, yeah, <laughs> leaders. Um, just. Ask some questions that can um, help make the experience for them a more positive one. Um, things they'd like to see, things they liked, disliked, um, pros, cons, etc. Because from that you get more information and you can learn to provide a overall better experience um, from either the golf course end, food and beverage end, lessons, pro shop, yeah. whatever.
2: And oftentimes when you look at data from surveys or you actually ask people what they liked and didn't like, some of the answers you see are things you wouldn't have even thought about, right? You wouldn't have thought about, that's what I was, you know. I always think that they like this and this about my golf course, but actually when I look at what they actually say in surveys, I'm surprised that that's actually what they like. Is there a way to enhance that or, or do something a little bit different? So, And please
1: make them open-ended questions. Um, yes and no answers um, to, <laughs> to survey questions don't really help anyone. Um, give them the opportunity to express their mind. So make sure they're, they're, you're asking them questions that cannot be answered with a yes or a no. Without, Without asking add...
2: for the world. That's the other yeah. thing.
0: It's about adding context.
1: Right? Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, the last one we have, this the last point um, that uh, on this uh, uh, data collection um, strategies, you know, the off season, things the golf courses can do, um, comes around understanding what the landscape is in your local city, understanding what your competitors are offering, um, understanding what they have for membership types, um, and then things like what days their leagues are on, um, what offers they have for food and beverage, I mean, what's their Wednesday special. I mean, understanding um, the options that the consumer has, and then trying to find a way that you can get the consumers to come to you is kind of a real a real way to build a competitive advantage for
2: your golf course. And talking about the landscape, it's the competitors, but it's also the market in general. And things, there'll be ebbs and flows in every market, you know, a place like Alberta, um, there's big ebbs and flows around oil prices, etc. And I think if you understand the ebbs and flows of your market and you have a better idea of what consumers really want or what they can what they're willing to do with certain amount of dollars they have or certain amount of time, you can kind of tailor your business to your specific market. Um, and you see that with prices on green fees, right? You go across the country, there's going to be a, a variance in prices, um, partly dictated by the market and partly di- dictated by supply and demand. But understanding that market and being out there in the community and knowing what people are saying, not just on the golf side of things, but as somebody that has kids, Golf is one of a lot of different things I can do on a Saturday. There's a lot of different options that have nothing to do with golf and frankly, maybe nothing to do with sports. And you could be losing out because there's other things in town that are interesting for people to do. So sometimes you have to think a little bit outside of golf too. And maybe the off season is a time where you go and visit some of those places. I know whether it's an indoor playland where kids can go or, um, you know, other things like shopping or whatever the case may be, go and check out. Why don't pe- why do people come here instead of going golfing? And, and maybe you can get a better sense of what the what the market really wants.
0: Great, and uh, just to add to that, sometimes what. Um Uh, you can do is take advantage of big events that happening and have specials or offers or something like that to get people to come. Rather than just resigning yourself to losing people to that event, you can actually have something that compels people to come after the event or before the event. Yeah, work,
2: work with events and say, hey, you know, as a golf course, we're not really competing with this event, so why don't we get together and do something where we can kind of work as one, whether it's the events in the off season or whether it's at the exact same time people could be golfing. I mean,
1: and I remember a specific time, um, actually just this last year, uh, that there was basically every long weekend mm-hmm. in, in the Edmonton area, at least specifically, I was kind of pummeled with a whole bunch of e-newsletters with golf courses trying to get people to come to them on the week- long weekends. People tend to go away. Mm-hmm. Golf courses actually are pretty empty on long weekends. So if you just keep offering the same thing in those situations, or uh, you, you just won't get the people in there. I guess, but the point here is, is, is Throughout the season as well, you should be collecting data and understanding what you're seeing. So Long weekends are usually slow, so what can I do about that next season? Um, Wednesdays are slow in the afternoon, what can I do about it? Um, Kind of trying to find ways to fill the T-sheet, clever ways to fill the T-sheet It's another just example of of things that you can think back in the off-season about what you experienced during the
2: previous season
1: and come up with ways to build more business.
2: And it's never going to hurt to try things. Yeah. You know, try it for a week, try it for a month, try it for a season. If it works out well, you look like a genius and you carry on and and keep doing things. But if it doesn't work, you at least tried and more than likely you learned a whole bunch of things. Maybe you have to tweak and continue on or maybe you ditch something. At least, you know, I'd rather know than not know.
0: Yeah. And there you have it. Dare to try something different. Thanks, Duncan and Brian. Thanks. Thank you. Okay, And that's it for today's podcast. We'll see you next time.